Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Coogee Voice. Today, we're talking with Emily Kate Symes, the founder of Ecolove. Ecolove is a conscious, sustainable, compassionate, zero-waste living boutique that gives back. Each purchase through Ecolove helps to empower women through opportunity. Today, we discuss the harm fast fashion is doing to our environment, and we provide tips and tricks for how you can be a more sustainable fashionista. You're listening to Coogee Voice. We don't realise, so fashion is one of the largest polluting industries in the world. We're seeing, you know, 3,000 litres of water just to produce one pair of jeans. It's actually been reported that 27% of consumers are actually wanting to know what products they're buying, are they ethical, and they want to know the story behind it. Emily, welcome to Coogee Voice. How are you going today? I'm good, thank you, Marjorie. Thanks for having me here today. It is my pleasure. Now, summertime in Sydney, what's your favourite part? Oh. I just love going out on the water, going to the beach, on a boat. It's just beautiful. We have such a beautiful city. The harbour is just incredible. I'm actually from Brisbane and every time I look out into the harbour, I feel so grateful for living here. So that's my favourite part, I think, in summer, taking my dog for walks and, yeah, just enjoying the sunshine. If there was anything you would change, what would that be? Look, I would definitely change a lot of things. I think I want to change people's mindsets around sustainability and, you know, fast fashion and also what it means to be sustainable, not just with fashion, but in general. Little steps can all create change and that's what I want to see. Well, that's exactly why you're here on the show today. There are a couple of things that we love here on Coogee Voice, environmental sustainability, fashion, Personally, I have a deep commitment around small business owners and economics. Where do we start? Tell us about Ecolove. Uh, Ecolove, we're Australia's first zero waste boutique. So we started out predominantly in fashion, but we also have lifestyle products. So we have like beeswax wraps, we have candles that are handmade. So it's really about teaching people not just waste within fashion, but also within your everyday life. And we like to incorporate that through workshops. So we partnered with Wallara Council last year um, and we did a series of zero waste workshops, um, a zero waste art installation, just to show the scope of the waste, especially um, women in Australia produce. So This art installation we had was showing 23 kilos of textile waste the average Australian women produces every year. And yeah, it's just alarming. You know, a lot of, a lot of people don't really understand when they buy that fast fashion t-shirt, not only who's the person that made it and what fair working conditions they had, but also what is the true cost of that item in terms of the environment and also how many times you're going to wear that piece is it just going to go in the bin after that one use so 
our store is more than just being a store. It's really about that message of sustainability and being about community. So we want to show people how easy it is to implement different ways within their lifestyles that they can become more sustainable. So, you know, whether that be renting a dress, purchasing a pre-loved garment or something vintage from our store or attending, you know, one of our events or workshops uh, where they can learn more about how they can implement those tools to help them be more sustainable. You've touched on a bit there around how we can be sustainable. Yes. What is fast fashion and why is it so dangerous and harmful? And let's start with the physical environment and then we'll move to workers. So it's really damaging because we don't realise. So fashion is one of the largest polluting industries in the world. And, you know, greenhouse gas emissions, natural resources, we're seeing, you know, 3,000 litres of water just to produce one pair of jeans. Now, that is actually really alarming. If, considering the average woman has, you know, between five to 10 pairs of jeans in a, or more in a lifetime, and how often do we use those pairs of jeans? Are we wearing them once? So it's also these resources, how are they being used? And it's at the cost of the environment. So you know, that's the detrimental impact. We're seeing pollution in rivers, especially like even with the dyes. So it, there's rivers in China, for example, that have gone blue from just the dyes that you are using to produce genes. And then not just that, it's also the toxins in terms of the workers who are, you know, making these garments. And then you've also got natural habitats being bulldozed over to have cotton fields of pesticides this just the whole scope of it is just yeah it's pretty terrible you've also touched on fair wages in the developing country can we discuss that a little bit more yeah so look people don't realize why something is cheap it's because it's generally made overseas in a sweatshop somewhere so um, something that I like to be a part of is called Fashion Revolution. It's a worldwide movement and Fashion Revolution is also here in Australia and basically every year we honour the victims of the Rana Plaza factory collapse. So it was over 1,100 people that had been killed in this factory collapse and the problem is a lot of these garment workers aren't earning a decent wage. Some of them may be like it might be child labour they also were trying to campaign for their rights. They had told the building owner, look, these are the problems we're facing. It's not safe. We feel unsafe in this working environment. No one addressed those needs of the workers and ultimately it was at their demise. So the factory collapsed. Now, a lot of big brands were a part of this. And what happens is when they can't fulfill an order, a fast fashion order, and it, they've got huge volumes, and one factory is at capacity, they outsource and they send the rest of the orders to other factories, which are subcontractors. Now, a lot of times they're not tracing where these go. They're not checking if these factories have safe working conditions. And, you know, this is alarming. These brands, now it's come out, they're saying, oh, we don't have a part in it, but where's the transparency? So, you know, brands really need to be transparent through their entire supply chain, not just saying, okay, the fabric we use is sustainable because we're seeing that now with greenwashing with companies. We want to know how is that garment made? What's it's made from? But who made? Who made the clothes? Who's that person behind that $5 T-shirt? So, you know, a lot of times we ask people to just be mindful like, do you really need that $5 T-shirt? Can you spend a little bit more on a T-shirt that maybe 
is a fair trade or could you buy it from an op shop, so something secondhand, something that's already out there in existence and that's what we're trying to do through Ecolove. We're really trying to minimise waste and we believe that you can find a lot of items out there secondhand or you could hire them as opposed to buying something new. So, you know, really eliminating and closing and prolonging the lifespan of fashion already in existence rather than buying new. You've touched on secondhand. A lot of consumers justify buying new clothing by donating their secondhand clothes to St Vincent de Paul, Salvation Army. A lot of that clothing though actually ends back up into developing countries and subsequently has destroyed their own internal manufacturing, which was sustainable fair work. Have you got thoughts on this? Oh, yeah, definitely. So my entire business is based around um, what you've just been saying. So I've always been an avid op shopper since I was a little girl with my mum. My mum's from the Philippines. And when I was living over there for a period of time, I was op shopping and I was seeing a lot of items from Australian, Australian brands and also American brands, UK brands, but a lot of Australian brands. And I'm like, I know that they could, how would they get access to this fashion? And I did a lot of research and I realized that a lot of the fashion that doesn't get sold at the op shops and charity stores here actually go to, you know, the developing world. So places like Ghana, the Philippines, India, Indonesia. And what's happening, the reason this is a real problem is they're buying our fast fashion, our waste in particular, and they're not buying from local designers, local manufacturers, and the traditional ways of making clothing in those countries slowly dies. For example, in the Philippines, weaving. Now, I was digging through what we call ukai ukai in the Philippines, these charity stores, and, you know, they want to be like us. They think it's like a status, like, oh, are these brands and Zara, and, you know, but they actually don't even know that they're buying our waste. It's a huge problem. It's damaging their economies and, if we keep producing more waste, it's going to keep damaging those economies. And so we really need to be mindful about what we buy, how much we consume, and just be mindful. Try and use secondhand as opposed to buying new because that, is, that in itself is going to eliminate waste. I think one of the other things as well is being conscious about not just what you can buy but what you can find. And I'm saying this because at the moment around the eastern suburbs, um, there is doing a big council pickup. Mm-hmm. I've personally just found myself a Jacobean dining set. Oh my which god! Which is absolutely beautiful. Wow. It's this thick, heavy wood, and I found it on my way walking home. Called my mum and her truck, and I said, "I've got myself a new dining set." So I think that it's not just about. We just need to be, for me, more conscious and just be open. And for people who are walking around, if you love plants, there are thousands of porcelain plant boxes around at the moment you don't need to be buying new there is so much stuff that already exists in our world Um, we don't have to be buying new and sometimes the older stuff is so much more beautiful and better made I agree you got that uniqueness that you know like you said the quality and a lot of people don't realize when you walk into our boutique it's actually the reason we call it zero waste is everything has been upcycled recycled Everything in my bedroom secondhand. So all the racks were from X showrooms. Um, the desk was from Gumtree. Some things were from eBay. Some stuff I found on the side of the road. So my couches and other cabinets. Um, and you know, if you present them in a way and you take care of them and their quality, you wouldn't know otherwise know any different. So I've had people walk in, not realize, and think we're just a standard boutique. I'm like, you do realize that secondhand that was saved from landfill, and yeah, so. 
I think that if you can get creative, you can find a lot of things that would otherwise be wasted and give it a new home and treasure it. One of the other really great things that you're doing, not only do you have a zero waste business, is you're helping other businesses become sustainable and conscientious, uh, environmentally conscientious. Tell us about Eco Collective. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Eco Collective is a three-month conscious business experience and a mentorship. So if you have started or you want to grow your existing business in a sustainable or conscious way, we can really help you do that. So we have mentors that can help guide the experience. We go through, you know, what having a heart-centered business looks like, conscious business marketing and principles about how what sustainability means within a business. And, you know, we really educate our people who sign up to put that at the very core of what they do when they start a business. And if they've already started, how can they implement these principles or these values within their business so that they can see a change in the world that they live in or be part of a positive change? Why is it important that businesses have a sustainable heart? For me, it's the way forward. We need to be sustainable, like there's climate change and also it needs to be more than just about making money. You know, we need that connection. We need to feel like we care about our our surroundings and our community. So if we care about one another, we should care about the environment and we should want to put these principles in place within our business so that it's not just about making money and it's not just about profit or sales. It's actually about caring for your community, caring for the environment and caring for our future generations because ultimately what we do now is going to affect generations to come and I feel like that's really important. I wholeheartedly agree. The reality is unless we put the environment and the economy on an equal playing field, we're actually not going to have one or the other. These things cannot exist. I guess the other thing is – you know, there is a generation and a wave of people coming through who are consumers who see the world in a really different way. And these uh, young people, they're entering workplaces, they're getting educations, they've got money and they think and feel about the world in a really, really different way. So if you're thinking about even just from an economic perspective, who are you going to be marketing to? These young conscious environmentally conscious consumers don't want to buy from businesses that are just capitalist driven. Yes. It's actually been reported that 27% of consumers are actually wanting to know what products they're buying. Are they ethical? And they want to know the story behind it. So yes, definitely. There's a lot of people that want more from brands and brands ultimately need to be more transparent. Emily, shut your eyes. The $5 typical T-shirt that someone goes and buys, we all know what the stores are. What is the journey of that T-shirt? So that $5 T-shirt you see in those stores, I ask you to have a really discerning decision with that because that $5 shirt, say, for example, possibly made in Bangladesh, a woman who can't even afford to feed her families maybe made that shirt. It could have been a child who made that shirt. They maybe, you know, didn't have fair working conditions in that factory. That's most likely. And then once that item is made from one of those big brands, it now gets sent to, you know, countries, for example, like Australia, which gets sold onto a department store or one of those fast fashion stores. 
we go then and we look at that shirt and we think, oh, it's just that $5 shirt that I need, you know, probably going to wear it. A lot of times your attention span, so when you're buying, you don't even think you're just, you're grabbing it off the shelf. Oh, but it's only $5. So that in itself is like, well, why is it $5? So it's the true cost of that $5 shirt. And, you know, we're putting it in our basket. We take it home. We wear it a couple of times. Fast forward a year later, oh, that's that shirt I I bought from such and such place. Oh, that's right. Oh, I actually don't need that anymore. I've only worn it twice. I'm going to donate it to my nearest charity store. So that charity store puts it on display. Maybe, for example, that item doesn't sell. It's been there for months. All the excess stock that doesn't get sold at the charity stores is now going to third world countries or the developing world. For example, a place like the Philippines where I've lived and it goes to a place like an Ukai Ukai store. People in those countries are digging for clothes. They're not going to buy from local makers or shops in their countries because they want something from the developed world. They want cool and trendy fashion. So they're buying that T-shirt, they're wearing it, and what's the cost um, to their economy, to their community, when they're not buying and supporting businesses within their own country and instead are buying our waste. And these people, they're happy, they've got that $5 shirt, but no one really knows the whole journey of how that $5 shirt came about. So, you know, when you're shopping and you're thinking about what to buy, Maybe think about why something costs so cheap and maybe look at where was it made. Research those countries, research the brand. Are they transparent about their, you know, factory conditions? Are they transparent about the product, like the materials that it's made from? Are they transparent about pricing? These garment workers make 50 cents an hour or something like that. And then they're charging $5 for the shirt. So the markup is huge. But who's really suffering here? we're not. It's people in these countries that are suffering from this. And we don't see the direct result of our actions, how it's actually impacting the entire world. One of the other things I'm personally very interested in is, this goes back to workers and the environment, is the use of GMO seeds and then ever-increasing fertilizer that's actually being used to grow the cotton, grow these materials. And in some of these developing countries, the people that are picking on these farms, there's astronomical, absolutely astronomical cases of cancer linked to it. So for people that are listening, when you are um, thinking about what you're wearing, think about it more than just the $5 because there is a huge human cost associated with this. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily know or appreciate the depth of the impact of the choice of a $5 t-shirt. A lot of this fast fashion though also just ends up in landfill. Do you have an idea of the volume that ends up there? Yeah, it's actually been reported that Australians produce about 6,000 kilos of textile waste every 10 minutes when about 95% of that amount could be recycled or upcycled. Now when I say recycled or upcycled, I mean Instead of just throwing it away, is there a way we can reinvent that item of clothing? Can we upcycle it? Can we give it new life? So maybe get creative as well in your own wardrobe. And instead of buying new, maybe think about how you can make each piece last longer and, you know, avoid throwing it in landfill or avoid 
giving it to a charity store when maybe instead of wearing it once, you can give it at least 30 wears. Um, you know, it's said to actually reduce carbon emissions by wearing your clothes longer and keeping them longer and avoiding to buy new things by purchasing secondhand instead and actually just using what's already out there. There's so much stuff, like you said, Marjorie, that's out there that's already been created. Let's start using that and keeping things circular as opposed to buying new and supporting fast fashion. One of the things I'm really interested in and excited that you do is the clothing hire because it allows people to try new things, explore um, fashion and style. Tell us a little bit about more of that and what you do at Ecolove. Yeah, so, you know, lately hiring has actually come under fire and a lot of people say, well, hang on a minute. There's a lot of those big companies hiring but they're hiring fast fashion and they're hiring items that aren't of exceptional quality. And the problem with that is when you're hiring garments that aren't of exceptional quality, they don't tend to last very long. So you don't tend to be able to hire them as much. What we do is we focus on really bespoke, beautiful, luxury, high-end quality items that can last 30, if not 50 wears um, and still last after that period of time where we could, if we decided to, resell it. Um, but these pieces are collector's items, they're runway pieces, and they're pieces that people treasure. You know, it's those moments when they're out at weddings or functions and they get to wear that $3,000 dress for only a fraction of the retail price and they know it hasn't cost the earth and they know that, you know, it's going to still be rented another 20 to 30 times after that. So, you know, when you're renting, be mindful of also the brands that you're renting. Are these companies renting quality fashion or are they still also renting fast fashion? Because you do see that a lot now as well. You've spoken a bit about the circular economy. Yes. There's some really exciting stuff actually happening in fashion where um, sustainable and conscientious fashion designers are playing with materials and they're exploring the use of sustainable materials, so recycled plastic that has been turned uh, into fabric. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, you're also seeing uh, Pinatex. So if you're, you know, an animal rights activist, a vegan, or someone that cares for animals in the planet even, you would realise that, you know, animal agriculture is also uh, – uh, number one um, polluting industry and it damages deforestation, you know, uses a lot of water and natural resources. Basically, when you're using uh, leather, um, instead of leather, you can use Pinatex, which is pineapple leather. And they, uh, scientists came up with that in the Philippines and she produced that as an alternative to leather. So maybe look at some alternatives. You know, now someone's did a study on uh, mushrooms that actually eat plastic. So Instead of just going by what you see on ads on online or Instagram, um, maybe have a look and do some research. I find that's the best way to go, okay, I really love that dress I saw from such and such brand, but maybe I could find something similar in an op shop. Maybe give it a try, um, even if you haven't already, um, and you'd be really surprised. There's actually some beautiful quality things, like you said, Marjorie, like that dining piece set. <laughs> you know, I've, I've found really high-end brands in charity stores, my entire outfit secondhand. So uh, my bag was $5 from the op shop, beautiful tan suede leather. Um, I've got a Balenciaga dress that was given on consignment. So we resell other people's things. Um, and so my shoes were from an op shop. So my whole outfit, I think, costs less than $100. 
And you look amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Emily. Yes. Before we let you go, there are three very tough questions we ask all of our guests that come onto Coogee Voice. You must declare the best beach in the eastern suburbs, where sells the best coffee, and where you can get the best burger. Go. Uh I like Tamarama Beach. It's probably my favourite. The best coffee, I'd say, Porch and Parlour in Bondi. The best burger. Oh. Uh, I'm vegetarian, so I would say grilled. <laughs> Actually, Soul Burger. I change it, Soul Burger. Soul Burger are delicious. Yeah. <laughs> and again, for anyone that's listening, even if you're not a vegan, I would 100% say go and try it because – it does not taste like a vegetable burger by any stretch of the imagination. Emily, if people would like to learn more about Eco Love or the Eco Collective, where should they head to? Uh, you can go on www.ecolove.com and you can check us out on Instagram at Ecolove or at our boutique on 14 William Street in Paddington. Emily, thanks for joining us on Coogee Voice. Thanks so much, Marjorie. Lovely to see you again. <laughs> Lovely to see you as well. Bye. What an informative chat. Now, we've got some pretty great op shops in the East, so check them out the next time you're shopping. If you'd like to learn more about Ecolove, you can find them on Instagram. It's spelled E-K-O-L-U-V. You've been listening to Coogee Voice. <laughs>